welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 41. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, it's a new year, and a new decade. So happy new year. With it being the first episode of the new year, it's time to make some predictions for 2020. I've also been catching up on my backlog, including APAL, one of 2019's best games. I've also got a best-of compilation of interviews from industry experts talking about streaming services in video games, which is sure to be a hot topic in 2020. So it's a packed show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and had a good Christmas and New Year's. So I hope you managed to get some good downtime with the family and had a chance to switch off, relax, maybe eat some nice food and chill with your loved ones. So mine was really good. I was at home visiting my mum and then spent some time with my girlfriend's family. So it's been relaxing. But I'm really looking forward to getting into 2020 and kicking off the new year. And uh, we've got a really exciting year to come this year. I can't wait to get stuck in. We've got loads of new games. And then we've got the build-up to the new consoles coming in winter 2020. So really, really super excited for that. So if you want to get in touch with the show, don't forget to sign up to Patreon. We can get access to the exclusive Discord server, early access to um, exclusive audio, content voting and podcast shout-outs. So check that out on patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. First of all, let's have a look at what I've been playing this week. So Christmas and New Year's is a good time for some downtime, and I managed to catch up on a few items in my backlog. So I've been playing Ape Out, which I finally got to after putting it off for so long, and uh, I've got my review of that a little bit later on, and also managed to finally, finally finish off the Breath of the Wild DLC, and uh, I finally got that motorbike. So I'm a huge Zelda fan, but for some reason I wasn't able to complete the final boss for ages in that DLC. Either games would come out, and they get in the way, or I go back to Breath of the Wild and completely forget how to play the game. So this time, I packed up my gear, got loads of food, cooked loads of meals, got properly prepared for the final boss battle, and finally beat him. So I'm super happy, as I've been meaning to do that for some time. So I'm looking to do more Zelda coverage this year, as I got Hyrule Historia for Christmas. Beautiful book, and uh, you should definitely check it out. If you're interested in Zelda art or lore, it's a big, heavy coffee table type book filled with beautiful artwork and stories from Hyrule so I'll put that link down in the show notes if you like Zelda and uh, definitely check out that book but first up this week let's get into some 2020 predictions so 2020 is here and it's the start of a new decade which means there's some exciting stuff coming up this year I wanted to kick off the year with some 2020 predictions and have a look at them again at the end of the year and see how I did. So first up in the list are Nintendo 64 games for Nintendo Switch Online and Nintendo has been slowly bolstering their online libraries over the past years and although they haven't added much to the SNES library recently uh, it does make sense to add N64 to the mix as they could release an N64 controller to go with it. So Nintendo Switch Online originally launched in September 2018 with a small library of NES games, uh, which they've added to each month. So there's now about 40-plus NES games in the library, and then SNES games were added to the Nintendo Switch Online library in September 2019. So it's not too far-fetched to think that maybe they'll add N64 games in September 2020. So there's plenty of games to be excited for, including Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Paper Mario, Banjo-Kazooie, Star Fox 64, Diddy Kong Racing, and Perfect Dark. Uh, We all want Goldeneye, but it might be a little bit tricky due to rights with that one, but we'll see. 
So next up is streaming services growth, and I really think that 2020 is going to be the year of streaming services in video games. Um, so this is the year streaming services are going to come into their own with new consoles coming out especially. So Xbox Game Pass had a great year in 2019. I, I was even a convert to Xbox Game Pass, and I'd given up Xbox Live and Xbox Gaming a few years ago. I'd kind of put it behind me. It was the outer worlds that really turned me around in it. Um, and since then, I've discovered some amazing indie games. There's Lonely Mountain Downhill. There's Ape Out, which I'm going to be featuring later on in the show. Um, there's Celeste on there. There's Unavowed on there. There's so many great games on there. Xbox Game Pass is going to allow the new Xbox to launch with a great lineup of games. So I would imagine also that PlayStation is going to bolster their PlayStation Now service. So I think they're going to make a big thing about this either at E3 or before through one of their state of plays. But next up is more Nintendo Switch remakes, and look out for some classics this year. And I'm thinking we're going to get Metroid Prime Trilogy at some point in 2020 to help us tide us over before Metroid Prime 4. And hopefully that's going to be followed up with Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, and maybe even Skyward Sword. So Twilight Princess and Wind Waker had the HD treatment for the Wii U. So in theory, porting those over to Nintendo Switch shouldn't be too much trouble. Skyward Sword, probably a little bit more difficult with the motion controls for Nintendo Wii. However, it would be great to see Skyward Sword on Nintendo Switch. So next up, Xbox is going to have a better launch than PlayStation. So I actually think that Xbox is going to have a better launch than PlayStation this year in terms of numbers, with Microsoft getting out there early with services like Xbox Game Pass, Project xCloud, we're surely going to hear about more about that in 2020. So combine that with one or two new consoles and their investment in Xbox Game Studios, I really feel that this could be Microsoft's year and Microsoft's time to shine. So they were always playing catch-up in the current generation, and they were clear runner-up to Sony. Uh, but learning from their mistakes, I'm thinking Xbox is going to come out swinging in the next generation. So next up on the list is Breath of the Wild 2. So we saw a glimpse of this at E3 last year at the end of that Nintendo Direct. And by the time we get to holiday 2020, it would have been three and a half years since Breath of the Wild. So it looks very much like the game will be in the same engine as Breath of the Wild. However, this will allow them enough time to put something together and release in time for the holidays. So hopefully we'll hear more about it in the coming weeks and months. But I would imagine we're going to get an announcement at E3 this year and then a release date before holiday 2020. So next up in the predictions is Google Stadia is going to get a serious rework. So Google Stadia did not have a great launch. I imagine over time more features will be added as we were promised in their original videos. So there are some who are predicting a closure of Google Stadia this year. However, I think Google's in this for the long haul and I think they see an opportunity. I do think their pricing strategy is a little strange and could do with changing. We're currently have to buy the service and then buy games for the full price. So I think if they got rid of the full price games uh, and created a subscription service kind of pricing model like Xbox Game Pass, they could be on to a winner. But then uh, they'd have to sort out some major deals with publishers and uh, developers as well. So we'll see about that. But I think what we'll see this year is a revamp of Google Stadia and a change in their pricing policy. So if they can get this right and the infrastructure changes around them, like the introduction of 5G, then I think Google Stadia could be huge. But I do predict a bumpy road ahead for them in the early 20s for this service. So next up in the predictions, a big tech company is going to buy Discord. So Discord is a mainstay in the gaming world right now, whether you're using to catch up with your friends or manage a big online community as a streamer or content creator, Discord is super, super valuable. 
valued at 1.6 billion in 2018. There were talks of Discord looking at various companies and preparing for a sale. However, we didn't see any movement in that in 2019, but we could see something in 2020. So Amazon, Apple, Facebook and Microsoft could all flex their financial muscles here. But I do predict that in 2020, someone will buy Discord. And next up, it's time for the Game Boy Classic. And Nintendo, they've had great success over the years with the release of a mini consoles, and it could be time for another with the release of the Game Boy Classics. So the NES and the SNES flew off the shelves, and so will a Game Boy Classic. It just makes perfect sense. So retro gaming is popular as ever. 2D games tend to hold up better than the early 3D games of the PlayStation era. So it'd be good to see a mini console with a size comparable to that of a mobile phone, or maybe just a little bit smaller. It could be thinner too, as battery and hard drive technology have shrunk considerably since the Game Boy's initial release, although we probably don't want to see something as small as the Game Boy Nano. There's plenty of great Game Boy games out there, including Tetris, Kirby's Dreamland, Link's Awakening, Pokemon Red and Blue, Castlevania The Adventure, Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, and Dr. Mario. So there's loads of stuff there, and I would imagine it'd be a huge cash cow for Nintendo. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll see the Game Boy Classic in 2020. Next up, Horizon Zero Dawn 2 will be revealed in 2020, and Horizon Zero Dawn follow-up, uh, it would have been in the works since almost the time the game was complete, as it was a huge hit, and it was Many's Game of the Year contender back in 2017 when it initially released. So, Guerrilla Games, they've been tight-lipped over the content of the game so far, it's highly likely the sequel will be a PS5 exclusive. My guess is sometime this year, perhaps at E3, we'll get some news of Horizon Zero Dawn's sequel and what to expect from Aloy's next adventure. And finally, it's time for a wild one. I predict that Microsoft is going to buy Sega in 2020. So Microsoft has been making acquisitions left, right and centre for Xbox Game Studios. And uh, I'm thinking it may be the time for Microsoft to... put a stake in the ground, draw a line in the sand and say, look, we're serious with Xbox Game Studios and uh, Microsoft go out there and buy Sega. And uh, an exclusivity deal with Sega could be really good for Xbox Game Studios, Xbox Game Pass, and the new Xbox. I would imagine Xbox are going to make a claim this year. They're going to they're gonna do something big. And Sega might be that company to help them make that claim. Anyway, that's it for my predictions for 2020. And let me know what you think by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. Sign up to any tier and let me know what you thought and let me know what your predictions are for 2020. I'd love to hear what you think. So if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games podcast, then head over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast, so if you've got access to iTunes, it would be great if you could leave us a nice review. And there was a new review service released recently and I've put a link down there in the show notes to that so check that one out and don't forget that This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast the YouTube channel has the entire archive of the podcast as well as dedicated reviews interviews and features to search This Week in Video Games on YouTube subscribe today for all that latest content and if you want to see anything specific on YouTube sign up to patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games get in touch and we'll work something on YouTube for you it would be great to hear from you so next up is my review of Ape Out. So this could be one of the most stylish games you'll play, with hits of jazz, colour, to the extent you've never seen before. The concept is simple, just get that ape out and smash everything that gets in your way. So Ape Out is a game about searching for freedom. 
You play as an ape in a top-down world where you have to escape a series of levels including a research lab, military base and ships. So the game itself is short, it's sharp, it's snappy and it feels direct with its intent. So the objective of the game is to get out. You'll navigate your ape through corridors trying to stop the guards from shooting you. There's windows to smash through, doors to rip open and enemies to stop or smash whatever stops them from shooting at you. There's a beauty in the simplicity of the game's controls. One button to smash and another button to grab. Using your ape fists you can smash some enemies out of the way or you can pick them up, throw them into a wall and use them to shoot their own buddies. As well as picking up enemies to shoot you can also use them as human shields. This is handy as you only get three hits before you're dead so you need to avoid being hit where possible by dodging around walls or using human shields to soak up the bullets. The colour and the style in the game just leaps off the screen and into your eyes. There's a simple contrast between the ape, the enemies and its surroundings with crisp vectors. So when the alarms go off the screen goes red. Enemies walk around with white coats and shadows are cast across the screen. As you leave a path of destruction, blood splats against the wall when you remove an enemy from your path and blood also trails your ape when he's been shot. It's all really striking, simple and effective. The sound in the game is some of the best found in 2019. There's a jazz audio track which pops and rings with the sound of cymbals when you hit your enemies or you get shot. The music perfectly accompanies you on your attempts to get to freedom through winding corridors filled with enemies. The sound of the cymbal changes with different enemy types and that was a nice touch. There's something about running around in the enclosed space as an ape, smashing and crushing the weak enemies in front of you that just feels good. From the first moment when you figure out how to smash and grab, you realise how strong you are compared to those around you. Smash windows, pick up people without a thought and throw them into a wall with velocity. It's a short, sharp power trip with jazz and I like it. The enemies in the game aren't that clever, adding to the sense of the strength you have over them. More often than not you can run and make sure you dodge the bullets, hide around that corner and tempt your lemming-like enemies towards you. When they pop their heads around the corner you simply dispose of them one by one. So Ape Out is procedurally generated every time, so you go back to the levels and it'll be a little bit different. The goal remains the same, but your path to get there may be a little bit different. This kind of game is therefore perfect for a commute, or if you've had a bit of a stressful day and you just want to smash something. In summary, Ape Out is a great game. Enjoyable, funny, great music and graphics. I had fun from the moment I picked it up. This is one of 2019's indie gems and you should check it out today. So I played it on Nintendo Switch but it's also available on PC and Xbox Game Pass. I gave it a final score of 86 out of 100. But what did you think of Ape Out? Let me know. Sign up to Patreon at any tier. Patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. Let me know what you thought of Ape Out. I'd love to hear what you think. It is always good to hear from you. Well that's it for my review of Ape Out and next up... As I mentioned before, streaming services are going to be big in 2020, and I've put together some snippets of conversations I've had with developers in 2019, where we were talking about streaming services and video games, what they think, what impact they had, and uh, what could happen in the future. So, I speak with Francisco Gonzalez from Gundeslav Games, Jennifer Snyderwright from Yam Yam, John Ingold from Inkle Studios, and Sam Partridge from Stave Studios. Let's go over to those interviews now. You mentioned um, the, how the sort of gaming world has changed in the time that you um, launched originally, that the original 80 days until until now. What, what, what do you think the biggest change is in the gaming industry um, for you? I think the biggest change 
that I'm seeing in gaming is the move towards, I kind of tend to call it a monoculture, but, um, and you see, I think, I think you're seeing this in films and in TV as well, actually, that it used to be the case. And I think about five years ago, it was the case that there was a diversity in what people liked and what people played and what people talked about. And if you said, you know, what are the big games this month? There will be a couple of different things and you could kind of argue about them. And I feel like now everybody seems to be playing the same thing, whatever that thing is. So this month it's Untitled Goose Game. Everybody in the entire universe mm. is playing the Untitled Goose Game. And it's a great game. It's a load of fun. But um, but I feel like that's a big change, actually, that that we seem to be settling on on one thing for everybody to play and everybody to like. And if you don't like that thing, that can be quite a lonely place to be, actually. Um like in games for the last few months, I haven't really, I haven't really connected with any of the big titles particularly. And so I haven't had that much to play, which is strange because there's so many good games out there right now. But I, I do feel like we're moving towards a sort of monoculture that doesn't talk about games in the plural, which it, I mean, as a creator, it's extremely scary, but as a player, I find it really just kind of really drab actually and really disappointing and yeah i think you see this in films as well though i think it, it's partly just the way that the internet works honestly i mm. think it's changing the kind of conversations that we have like um you know this year there was a quentin tarantino movie out and i saw absolutely no discussion about that film on the internet at all and there was also a marvel film out and i saw nothing but discussion about that film and i mean whether you like quentin tarantino or marvel doesn't really matter the point is they're both films with stuff to talk about and with fan bases but one of those fan bases dominated what i saw and the other one disappeared without a trace and that doesn't feel that doesn't feel like a healthy environment to me and i don't know what we do about it i don't know how we how we branch the conversation back out again and kind of encompass more games i wish there was a better way to do that this is stream of consciousness now one thing i'm really interested in is the apple arcade model because it's such a massive shift in the way that games work to just give stuff away and have people dip in and out of games. But it does mean that on Apple Arcade, people have been playing a diversity of games, which they're not yeah. really doing on PlayStation and PC. And I think that's really, really interesting. And it would be bizarre if Apple turned out to be the savior of yeah. like diverse indie gaming. That does not sound like what Apple's position usually is, but but it's not impossible. I think it's it's been actually really fun dipping into the arcade and just trying things I wouldn't normally try. And I would love to do that on Switch in a way that supported developers properly. And I would love to do that on Steam. Um, it seems like um, Apple Arcade has uh, actually had a tremendously successful launch. Uh, all, all I hear, uh, I, I'm, um, I'm an Android user myself. I, sure. I, I've got a Mac, um, so I could access the, the library. But I guess there's a, there's a challenge in a lot of our lives now where we've got a lot of streaming services and I sort of have to look at it and go, can I really afford kind of another uh, streaming service to sort of add to the add to the list of streaming services that I'm subscribed to? But it it really feels like they've yeah. had a successful launch um, with games like uh, What the Golf and uh, you know various various other games. Um, have you had a chance to play many of the games on Apple Arcade? Not very many, but a few. And the ones I have, I've really enjoyed. So I played What the Golf, and it was a lot of fun. Which is the sort of game I wouldn't have bothered to pick up under any other circumstances. I think. Because 
it oh I, I tend to play games that I think are going to interest me and what the golf is not an interesting game it's just fun <laughs> no I wouldn't yeah. have let myself do that but yeah to pick it up and play it yeah I really enjoyed it um I played Neocab, which is the game about being a, a cyberpunk taxi driver that's written using using our engine, actually using the Ink engine for its storytelling. And we know the people who made that a little bit. And that's been really, it's a really beautiful game. It's, it's very, very well put together. Um, and that was an interesting thing to play. And I was kind of felt quite excited getting my hands on that a little bit early. I think it launched properly today on Switch. That's Neocab. Um but I also have played a few games that I wouldn't normally touch at all. So I played a game called Hexaflip, which is a game about sort of moving a hexagon up a screen. And it looks like a game that was built to be a free-to-play game, and then they just took the free-to-play stuff out. It's got the same kind of structure and design. But it's a lot of fun playing that kind of really hyper-casual mobile game, but without timers and cooldowns and gems and energy and all the accumulated stuff that makes yeah. free-to-play games so irritating to play. Um, that actually, that was a, just a really simple delightful thing to play around with um obviously i wrote i wrote over the alps so i can't tell you how wonderful that is without crossing my fingers behind my back slightly but it, <laughs> it is really good um what else have i played oh i just started tangled tower which has got some lovely voice acting in it actually um so i want to explore that one a little bit more uh i played a little bit of the murder mystery machine i didn't really get into that quite so much but i'm curious to see what it does there's just so many games there's so yeah. many games um, and and they all they all seem of uh you know a certain level of quality as well you know a lot, a lot yeah. of the feedback that i've heard is is really good and it, it's really interesting for the industry now we, we we seem to be kind of moving into the the streaming services the kind of um you know people have been talking about the kind of netflix for games or spotify for games um for a long time and um what what's your i mean What's your opinion as a as a game developer um, in, in in that kind of um, business model? I think it is. I mean, it it is definitely terrifying from the point of view of, of a developer, because the ultimately to be a developer, you've got to somehow get paid enough to survive, and you've got to be able to guess how much you're going to get paid, so you know how much to spend on your project. That's just that's just how business works, and. The streaming models are all so new and the way that they pay is so subtle that no one really knows what is going to happen. So um, uh, we put some of our games onto the Google Play Pass, which is on Android, uh, which is a similar kind of thing. But we don't actually know what the royalty model is going to work out like. We have no idea. So it's very hard to kind of plan for that you just have to kind of cross your fingers slightly and see what happens um arcade is interesting because apple have kind of put a lot of money into funding games as well which obviously gives developers a lot more stability and i think that's part of why the quality is so high uh, mm. out the other end is that developers have been able to actually concentrate on the bit that they're good at and not worry too much about the business side of things i mean it's essentially having a good publisher i think um i mean it's hard to know how it will shake out in the long run i think for people who manage to get into the good books with streaming services, it will work out very well. It will probably limit the number of people that that's true for, though. Um, so we might see a... Well, we probably will see a, a heavy crunch in in indie studios. But, I mean, it's so, it's so early days, and it really depends on how they intend to how they intend to curate and manage these things. Like Apple are in a hugely powerful position. And if they change their mind tomorrow about how they fund Arcade, then 
that will affect hundreds of studios you know overnight and they're very much in a position to do that kind of thing so it's it's really scary but what we've seen in the last few years the last 10 years 15 years has been a self-publishing bubble and they they never ever survive self-publishing mm. bubbles <laughs> they're nice while they last but they always get oversaturated and then big companies come in and, and sort of start organizing and taking control of things um so it's not very surprising that it's going this way and i think from the consumer it makes a lot of sense um from the point of view of players they just want access to good games without too much risk of buying bad games and that that is reasonable we shall see where it goes it's it's hard to know um i prefer it to the future in which every game is free to play though Yes. I really do. Um, I definitely prefer it to that, which is where it looked like the industry was going five years ago. Um, so I, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic that some good will come out of it. But all big change comes with massive cost and no one knows what that cost is going to be or who's going to bear it. And that is scary. And um, we've we've got an interesting time coming up over the next 12 months with we've got the new kind of generation of consoles coming out mm. and um, we've got um, streaming services kind of seem to have um, cut through this year. And um, I've whenever I speak to um, game developers, I always ask them about what, what they think about streaming services and what effect that they think that's going to have on the industry. So um, with things like um, Google Stadia and uh, Apple Arcade, what was your opinion of the kind of streaming service future for video games? I'm still a little bit skeptical, honestly. Uh, I was at GDC this year when they had the big Stadia reveal, and it didn't really seem like it was met with much enthusiasm. And in I don't know whether that's because people thought, oh, that's this is going to not be good for us, or if it was just because nobody really cared. Um, and it seems like in the subsequent months, it I don't know, it just it feels like it's you just even stadia is having trouble with latency issues and if google who has like the most powerful servers can't get a decent connection how is that going to be for joe public with you know their not great connection i don't know i don't know i mean i i remain cautiously optimistic that it won't ruin the indie dev scene i mean i wouldn't mind if a company was like hey we'll pay you x amount of money to develop a game for us I don't see that happening. Um, or I, you know, if a company's like, "Oh, hey, we'll we'll pay you based on time played or whatever," I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I'm skeptical, and I don't know where it's going to go. But we'll see. I was skeptical about VR, and I I still don't know where we are with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Valve are hoping um, half life yeah. is going to uh, maybe come in and save the day. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I'd I'd rather have in the Valley of the Gods personally, but exactly. hey. And um, what what what's your thoughts on the recent sort of Apple Arcade uh, developments? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's quite it's quite interesting. Um, I'm not. Don't know. Like I quite like this idea that Apple is funding premium games, because you know, like ever since Apple changed the store, like even if you get like Game of the Day for for a day, I mean that's why it's called Game of the Day. You're not actually selling that much. Like market visibility is a huge problem if you're a premium if you're a premium game. And so Apple addressing that in a way, you know, with a similar similar to a Netflix model that they are paying for your game 
to be made and then you know you get a little bit extra when it's out it's actually you know like it's like it's interesting um what i'm not entirely sure about it is i don't know like i also see a little bit of a of a danger that we you know that developers get like too dependent on apple Mm. And then what happens, you know, when this funding stops? Because in games, you know, everything changes every five years. So I'm a little bit hesitant, I have to say, to jump on the Apple Arcade um, train myself. That being said, I will submit a game to them. But I'm actually more thinking about... So I started out making console games. And... So I'm actually thinking whether consoles are a better environment going forward these next five to ten years as an independent creator. Because consoles uh, historically do not have the same kind of like visibility problems as, you know, stuff like Steam and mobile. Because there's uh, fewer games that come out and you need to have a relationship with the platform holder, you know, Microsoft, Sony or Nintendo to get your game on the platform and there's more opportunities to talk to, you know, real people about getting your game featured. So, yeah, I don't know. I think like it's interesting and I think something good can come out of Apple Arcade, but it really depends like we, because we know so little, you know, even there's absolutely no information on how much money you get once your game is on Apple Arcade. Yeah, that's not good. And so it's all very, it's all like a big black box at the moment. Um, but yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting as well because uh, Nintendo have obviously been supporting the uh, indie game community really well on Nintendo Switch. And um, the uh, Nintendo Switch Lite came out to um, quite a, uh, I think it's quite a big success, not having the numbers in front of me. Um, and we're on the cusp of the new generation of consoles coming out in mm-hmm. like, about a year's time. And uh, it looks like Microsoft are laying the groundworks really well on Xbox Game Pass. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. With And I think there's rumors of their... Um, well, what, there may be rumors or um, they may have demoed it already. <laughs> well, you can actually... Um, uh, get Xbox Live and maybe even Xbox Game Pass on other devices like phones and things like that. So it might be a really interesting... It, it's a... So Game Pass is actually also available on the Windows Store. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I agree with what you said. I think uh, the Switch is an open secret with, you know, between independent developers that uh, everybody is selling the best uh, on Switch. Unless you get really lucky and sell very well on um, Steam, which is you know like it's very it's very it's very rare, and then on yeah, on mobile particularly on iOS is a bit. I think nobody really knows at the moment what's what's happening with that. Kind of like waiting <laughs> to get my information. Mm. Yeah, That's... I'm quite you know I'm quite excited for PlayStation Five and. Uh, Xbox Scarlet or whatever it will be called eventually. Yeah. Because there's usually um, opportunities for independent developers to make exclusive original content. Um, so yeah, I think that's good. And the same also with you know Stadia. 
I know a couple of people making uh, titles for Stadia. And the Epic Store, in some way, has also been uh, really good for some uh, independent developers that signed deals uh, early enough. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because Google Stadia came out this week and, uh, I mean, the the stuff that they showed off um, in their, I think it was April, they, they talked about their kind of the big reveal. Uh, it looks like they're going to kind of ro- roll out features um, as we go, but it's, it's a really interesting uh, kind of um, potentially game-changing uh, uh, platform to to be to be involved with I, I don't think we're perhaps seeing the the full capability or um with the launch lineup um but yeah hopefully hopefully google can um ramp up there yeah, to, to me it sounds like that they are having you know, like really great plans with it yeah but maybe and i don't really understand why they launched it so early why they felt the need to already launch it um because like the reviews that I've been reading were not very positive, which I think to me says that they released it too early. Yeah. But I think it's a you know the idea you know it has a lot of potential, and it could be where the future is going. The question is whether it comes a little early, because they are obviously Google is not the first to have like a cloud streaming gaming solution. Mm. I mean, wasn't there something called OnLive? eight yeah. years ago <laughs> and then Sony <laughs> has a similar service yeah I think it's a little bit like with VR right like obviously we are excited by this idea of VR and then we thought okay the Oculus headset is going to be the bringer of that future but even then you know now we see that actually it's not very widely adopted and that it's maybe still ahead of its time that we're still that we're still ten or twenty years away from from having you know that kind of mentality that everybody wants to adopt that kind of technology, but also you know and this is I mean with Oculus one of the problems or with VR is one of the problems is that you need to have such a powerful PC to run it. Yeah. So it's quite expensive, and Stadia is going to have the problem like that. Not everybody has Silicon Valley internet speed. Like I live in London, for example, and I think that we have some of the most terrible, you know, one of the most terrible internet in the UK. I used to live in the Midlands and my internet was like much, much better in the Midlands than in London. <laughs> so maybe yeah. the, inf- the infrastructure is, is, a, is a question whether the infrastructure is there yet, you know, on a worldwide scale. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's I guess it, it's it's a balance, isn't it? You want to get that out there in the market early enough to be the the kind of first, but you don't want to be too early because no one's got the um, ability to get involved. Yes. <laughs> How did the uh, collaboration with Apple Arcade come about? That must have been really exciting. <laughs> it was really exciting, yeah, uh, uh, but baffling in places too. Um, I, I just have to say, I, I, it was baffling because. You know, for such a big company to take such a creative gamble was just fantastic. Like for us little indies, they didn't really need to, in all honesty. But they said, well, we want to support the smaller companies who are making the weird and the wonderful. And and we're we're very small and we're making something very weird and very wonderful. And we had been pitching for a while uh, to different places. We caught the attention of Felix Kramer. 
uh, over in Canada, who, if you look at Felix's uh, Twitter account, you'll realize that Felix does everything under the sun. Uh, uh, an absolute omni-tool and, uh, again, another pleasure to work with, who basically said, yeah, you know, this your thing's great, it's really good, this kind of premium mobile game is ace, bear with us, just hold on tight, something big is coming, and then slowly over time, it kind of became clear what that might be, and then an email to say expect a call, and then there I am on a phone call with Cupertino, uh, which was wild, um, but they loved it. They, they they instantly fell in love with it. They loved the quiet political message behind it. They loved the tone of the game. The visuals of the game obviously are stunning, and the stability of it too. Uh, it's great having someone like Matt, who is such a good uh, iOS developer on board, to go, yep, yeah, Apple TV, shrug, it's fine, go for it. I've done it before, I'll do it again. So it was a kind of a perfect fit. And um, I, I remember when Apple Arcade was first announced and, and kind of had a look at it and thought, oh, that's quite interesting, and then um, kind of forgot about it. But then like with when with all the games that have come out at launch, um, Over the Alps included in that, it, it, it's such a fantastic launch lineup. You must be so proud of being part of the part of that initial kind of launch of games. I am. I mean, I, I have to give a few shout-outs because there's some which I'm so specifically proud of, I must say out loud, being in this initiative and being next to the games like Pilgrim, Neocab, Overland, uh, uh, Why Sayonara as well, which is absolutely wild, um, Cab of Darkness, Mini Motorways, a lot of these games are from creators that I played before and loved with a passion. Now seeing them out in the world and we're alongside them was uh, staggering, absolutely <laughs> staggering. It was fantastic. It really was a, a a grand tour of some of the more some of the most fantastic people in the industry. Uh, it did make me feel proud. Yeah, it's mildly terrified to begin with, but when we settled in amongst them, we uh, felt really good. Oh, and of course, sorry, I have to say as well, Tangle Tower. For me, the one where I really went, I'm feeling fantastic about this, is we were side by side with SFB Games, who I've been following for a long time and obsessed over their games. And, you know, because it was all very secret, we weren't sure, uh, we, we didn't know ourselves which games were going to be in there. To have someone like SFB with Tangle Tower next to us was just, ah, yeah, a, a, a genuine dream come true. If I sound like I'm slightly baffled, it is, uh, because I am. <laughs> So that's it with the Best Of Interviews recap, and I definitely think we're going to see some interesting developments in 2020 related to streaming services. So looking forward to talking to more developers in 2020 on that subject. Next up, let's have a look at the charts. So at 10 this week, it's Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fueled, and that's holding steady at number 10 from last week. Number 9 this week, it's Pokemon Sword, which is down three places from last week's number 6. Number 8 this week, it's Just Dance 2020, which is down one place from last week's number 7. Number 7 this week, it's Borderlands 3, which is up five places from last week's number 12. And number 6 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, and that's up five places again from last week's number 11. Number 5 this week, it's Luigi's Mansion 3, holding steady at last week's number 5. Uh, same with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and it's good to see Mario Kart 8 uh, in the first week of the new year and uh, still in the top 10. I think it could be in the top 10 forever, uh, but we'll see in 2020 if it drops out. <laughs> but I don't think it will. 
Number three this week, it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number two this week, it's FIFA 20. And holding steady at number one is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So congrats to the Call of Duty team for being the first number one of 2020. Well, that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. So in the next few weeks, we've got Yakuza Like a Dragon. That's on PlayStation 4. That's coming out on January the 16th. We've got Dragon Ball Z... Uh, Kakarot, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC, that's on January the 17th. We've got Tokyo Mirage Sessions coming out on Nintendo Switch, that's on January 17th too. And I heard this one is pretty good, so looking forward to that. Well that's it for this week's episode, and if you want to get involved in the show, let me know through patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames, or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories, I'm always interested in hearing from you. So in 2020, I would love This Week in Video Games to be more community-focused. So do let me know and get in touch. So I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram to search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in that conversation. So thanks once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you in a few weeks' time. I'll be back on January the 19th. But for now, I'll see you soon.